Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners, welcome to episode 8. I'm joined by Brownie for this one and we've got another debutant with us as well today. A man who has trodden a red carpet or two in his time, Johnny Nelson. We'll be covering the Sheffield United game, we'll answer a listener question or two and we'll look back over the start of the season as well now that we've arrived at the first international break. So enjoy. Brownie, good to have you back mate, how are your holidays? Good mate, yeah, nice and refreshed. Um, Good to get away and escape everything. Switch off. Although, great to come back to a, a 2-0 defeat at home, Sheffield United, so yeah, <laughs> all good. Good. Uh, drum roll for this one, another pod debut. Uh, Johnny, are you well? Very well, mate. Nice to be here, you know. Uh, what did they call it? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish it was under more pleasant circumstances. It's been obviously a rough couple of weeks for all of us. Uh, yeah. Lost a monarch and all hope of a of a positive season, uh, so it seems at least. Uh, but let's put on a brave face, shall we? We'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. Um, yeah. Before we start, as always, at the start of these episodes, if you like what we do here at the pod, uh, you can support us. Just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash from the finney. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, I have to say this every week because I get a bollocking off Jimmy if I don't. Uh, you can leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app, or if you're listening on the Spotify app, you can leave us a star rating on there. I think we're closing in on like 300 and we're just under five star rated, which I'll take. It's not bad. Um, boys, we'll start with the Sheffield United game. First 40 minutes or so weren't, weren't too bad. We looked good. We looked good in general play. We were much better in possession uh, compared to Tuesday night. We're better out of possession as well. We were a lot less passive, but it's a defensive mistake in it around forty odd minutes or whatever it is, and and we're one nil down. Yeah, I mean it feels it feels similar apart from the amount of goals we have conceded or haven't been conceding in this season. It was a similar story to a lot of the games we've played. We 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 started brightly, which if there's any you know positive of this season so far, it's that we've we've managed to start games brightly, uh, which if you remember didn't really happen at all uh, last year. And we were we were creating chances. We, you know, there was the there was like that. I think Brown flicked it onto Reese, who tried to react to it. There was, um, you know, the Hughes when Hughes burst through, he like nearly left less what left one man on his on his backside. Uh, took on another a beautiful like cutting pass across that maybe I think that was Reese again. Probably should have reacted a little sooner to it. There was, we were creating chances. They were just half chances, but the general play. I thought was good. It was nice to see McCann continuing to get a start. It was good to see Fernandez like finally getting a crack at the whip from the from the first minute. 
we were moving the play around uh, really quickly. We weren't letting it settle. The players were playing with a lot more confidence than we saw against Burnley, where they just seemed kind of like deers in the headlights, I think, for, for the majority of that game. They were just bricking it for the occasion. You could tell playing against Burnley, they thought these are better players than us and we don't know what to do with them, where it's against Sheffield United. I feel they were... They, 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 I don't know, maybe... It's taking the shackles off a, a bad turn of a bad think, turn of phrase. I think they, they just looked like they weren't <laughs> playing with any fear, really, didn't they, against Sheffield United? Whereas, like you say, against Burnley, they looked like deers in headlights. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was it was promising, and it was more similar to some of the games we'd seen at Deepdale uh, this season. I mean, it wasn't exactly like Rotherham, but you know, the fact that we were we were controlling the game, we had more possession of the ball, uh, we were being able to see a pass. I mean, against Burnley. It, it was the worst passing I'd ever seen, possibly ever seen a Preston side uh, complete. It was like, I think I put on Twitter, it was like, uh, it's like in Space Jam when like the, the NBA players had their powers taken away and they can no longer even throw a ball to each other. That's how it felt. Uh, so all of that seemed to have been cleared, but it, we weren't creating any kind of real, real clear cut, you know, one-on-one with the keeper sort of chances which was concerning. Uh, you could see, even when we dominated play, Sheffield United, their defence was so good and so confident that if there was a one-on-one with one of our players, they were going to dispossess us. We just happened to be getting back to that second ball and then and then resetting and moving the ball along. Um, so, you know, it was good. But, you know, every every minute and every half chance we didn't take, you, you sat there thinking, well, I doubt we're going to come out in the second half and play better than this. It, it felt like it was going to be an all-too-familiar story yet again, didn't it? Like, like yeah. you say, every every half chance that went by, every phase of play that was half-decent that sort of resulted in nothing, you just felt like, well, we've seen, we've seen this sort of I think after, this story a few times already this season. After uh, there was, uh, I think, like, uh, the Parrot laid off to Whiteman, who then sort of like side-footed it from just outside the box. And then there was, I, th- I think maybe Brown up to, to, to Parrot, who then cut a shot first time, took like one or two touches, had a shot, and it just went out for a corner. After those efforts, it just started to feel like we're not actually getting closer to scoring. We're just continuing going through the motions. And at that point, like, you know, the, the second you can see the goal, you're just like, well, I can't see us coming back from this. And that's kind of what happened. Uh, as soon as they had their chance at like 40 minutes, it never really felt like we were ever going to come back into it. But, you know. Yeah. I think I think a lot of the shots were, minutes. well, like you say, a lot of the shots were from distance, weren't they? I mean, we had 18 shots. I can hardly even remember half of them. So there's no real clear-cut chances that were created. Um, it was good to see Fernandez start and somebody who can actually run at a player, because we don't really have that many type of players who can actually, you know, dribble with the ball. Um, and it was quite refreshing to see that straight on. He was getting it. He was getting at them and uh, it was causing a little bit of a, an issue. Um, but like you say, Johnny, it was pretty much a, a common theme for this season. And, and the worrying thing for me is, is that the games like Rotherham, we were actually creating clear-cut chances and missing them. Mm. And now we're not even... I mean, the second half, we didn't even look like scoring, did we? Um, and that's a real, real worrying sign for me because the message was at the start of the season, oh, it's all right, we're creating chances, you don't have to worry about it. Well, we're not actually creating chances now, so that's even more concerning. Isn't it? I, kind well, of I half... don't think 
sorry, Johnny, I don't think we created a single big chance against Sheffield United, uh, and I think we had three shots on target. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you one of them. I, I just came off the game saying to my father-in-law, I was like, I don't think we've had a shot on target today. I checked, and I think it was three, but I, I, I just don't remember a shot on target. It was the Brown shot, wasn't in the second half with his. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Where we were already two 0 down then. Yeah, Fodderingham has made a good save. I think yeah. League One wears. Yeah. He had a much better game than last time. He saw man in detail. Good, good for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. We, I mean, it, we, we were playing well. We were creating sort of like half chances. I mean, I kind of expected it in a way because we were playing Sheffield United. You know, they're not Rotherham. You would fancy them to be right up there for automatic uh, this season. And then some of the players they had in their team, you know, they'd spent over, punted like 20 million on some of them. So there's part of you going you understand that creating clear-cut chances against a team like this, a defence like this, which I think they had they had maybe the second-best defence in the league after hours uh, this year. So let's just say they had the best defence in the league. Um, so I kind of expected it to be half chances, but if one thing I've, I've kind of lost all hope on, uh, last year, and the Sheffield United game was a perfect example of that at Deepdale last year, where Reese sort of like saves the day in the last minute, I've kind of lost all hope that we're gonna score goals from difficult angles anymore, and we're gonna like nick goals from from plays that you wouldn't necessarily expect to. It feels like the only time we're gonna score is if we literally pass the ball like straight up past the keeper, um, or bundle like, it in like, like we did at Coventry, like we did at Coventry, or bundle it in like we did against against Burnley. I just don't know. It doesn't feel like anything's coming anymore. Uh, which is disappointing. Um, the goal they scored was a perfect example as, of what happens if you're a striker that kind of rakes yourself a little bit more. I think uh, balls balls put over. I think Story kind of cushioned it down, didn't he? I don't blame him too much because it was into the path of Whiteman and Lindsay, and one of them should have reacted. One of them should have just like hit that straight out of play. Um, but I think they just probably got a little bit confused with them both being there. Lindsay's not the most mobile uh, of defenders uh, as much as he's improved this year. Whiteman, I think, kind of if he's if he's charging at something, he knows what to do. But the second he stops, the second he stops, he's he's kind of lost all that forward motion. Uh, and well, it kind could, of you could see, couldn't you? Like on the it was on the edge of the D that first one, and and mm. Jai sort of like turns him, and Whiteman's almost like, oh shit, where's he gone? Like it's just one him. burst of pace as well. It's just then, all he did was take the ball. He he hit it on what to his to his right, uh, accelerated really quickly for a, a split second, which just took him past Lindsay. Whiteman was just you know just just chasing uh, chasing shadows at the time, and it was just a player that was confident. It was a player that rated himself. It was a player that uh, hasn't been missing chances for the last uh, ten games, and he did what strikers do. He he, he doesn't have any more ability like. Reese and Parrot have the ability to do that, but they're getting the ball in the same sort of areas. And instead of going, I'm going to run into this bit of space, they're just flapping. Um, and as soon as that ball goes in, you can just tell the next five minutes. I mean, they nearly scored again. They had an, an even better opportunity. Like yeah. two minutes later, didn't they? I think Woodman had to make a save. That kind of set a theme for the second half as well. Because I mean, the second goal, we were all over, you know, poor defensively. For a, for a team that's been championed for having a great defence this season, we, we fell apart as soon as that goal went in, really. We didn't really look comfortable. Um, what a panicking. I mean, for the goal itself, Woodman and Brown were having a real 
barney at each other afterwards. And I was trying to work out what it was. I thought I think it was because maybe because Woodman comes goes to go out and it kind of puts story off a little bit because he can't head it back to the keeper. Then he's got to head it out, mm. <clears throat> and then Woodman's in a little bit of no man's land. I was kind of worried. I was trying to think whether they, he was trying to say to him, "Well, he could have just stayed at home and story could have headed it back to you." I don't know. And then Whiteman, like you say, should clear it. And yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a disaster. But yeah, we fell apart for those five minutes after that, and you just couldn't wait till half time. Really, I think it's it, it was it sort of showed that performance showed how. Whilst we've been really good defensively this year, it isn't necessarily because we're set up to be this incredible defensive unit. Uh, a lot of it has come down to the form of that back line and the fact that Story has been a changed player since being on loan at Wednesday, since uh, Lindsay's just... I think maybe he's he's liked being the main man and he's liked being relied upon. He's liked starting every game and it's, made, it's changed his confidence massively. I was just going to um, say, you, you look at... Lindsay versus Reese, um, in terms of like the confidence, and and I think, you know, the the manager's quite clearly put his his faith and belief in Liam Lindsay to be the linchpin of that back three and and be the 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 centre back of that back three. Whereas he's he's dropped a meal like pretty much regularly since he's he's come in, and they're two players that, in their own right, probably deserve both to be the 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 center point of the specific parts of the team but one's been dropped for no apparent reason and mm. the other we're not going to reach strengths though are we you know no the, fr- no. the front two are pretty much asked to stay <clears throat> within the the 18 yard box line of the pitch they re- very rarely get out wide apart from on the right hand side which seems to do because obviously trying to overcompensate for the fact that we don't have a proper right wing back um but Reese's best work is, you know, either over the top or in the channels when he's running at players. His best work isn't st- static into his feet, which everyone seems to criticise him for. He, he started it, it, the game quite well on Saturday, I thought, because he was running into that left channel quite a lot. But then he started coming more central and he just went out of the game completely. Yeah. I mean, you can see from the, you know, the warm-up they do, the Wesley warm-up that they do before, before the games now, which... Which I might add, someone did put on Twitter, and it, I was watching it, and it was awful. But apparently, we scored six out of the twenty-one warm-ups we were doing against no opposition. <laughs> so you know, I mean, that that that's kind of a sign for you know, it's a bit concerning. But but the whole aim of that is to get the strikers in the box, and not a lot of the work outside the box for the strikers. And and Reese isn't that type of striker, really. He's not, you know, he's not somebody to get balls into the box to. He's someone you need to get running in behind and running at players. And as we saw last season, like Johnny says, he can score these weird goals out of nothing, which the way we're playing at the minute doesn't allow him to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's so rigid and, you know, these patterns of play that we keep focusing on. It just seems to me we're just so predictable the way we play. And, and if you can work out a way of stopping that, um, pretty easy to defend against, really. And if you let us have the ball and you can't, we can't break you down. Then all you need is that chance, you know, like Sheffield United got, and then suddenly it's a whole different game, isn't it? Which you know seems to have been happening. We've been lucky in the past that we haven't conceded. You know, Low mentioned yesterday when oh, I would have been uh, Saturday. Sorry, mentioned oh, I would have been, um, you know, happy if there weren't mistakes that we'd let in. But you can't keep. Playing a championship season, not scoring any goals, and banking on the fact we're not going to make any mistakes. So, yeah, was, it's just 
Well, it feels it feels one of the most frustrating things, and we can get onto kind of uh, our lack of business uh, in the in the final stages of the, the transfer window a bit later. But it just feels like uh, there isn't much of a plan B in the way that we play, and it's, it's I'm not saying we we just play the same way each time because you know when we played Millwall, um, no, it wasn't uh, Millwall. Where were we? We were down here. Uh, Luton. Luton, that's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah, when we played Mill, uh, <laughs> when we played Millwall, guys, <laughs> when we played Luton, we we set up completely differently. You know, we 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 were set up almost in an Alex Neil way to kind of nullify uh, their strengths. And it was going to be a stodgy game, and we came out with three points, which is great. And it that was a great moment because it felt like okay, I know we're going to try and play this expansive brand of football, um, but if we've got a difficult game against a difficult size, I'm glad Lowe's able to change it up for that purpose. But the problem is when we're actually playing a game, it doesn't feel like through either design or personnel that we can alter the way we're set up to play in that game, especially when it comes down to getting goals. So the the whole Reese thing, I can see how he was kind of pulled after a couple of games. I reckon Lowe was thinking he might sell him and he thought, well, it's it's safer to give him a bit part, make sure he doesn't get injured. We'll see what happens. But then no big offers came in for him. Um but then I think when we when we actually do revert back to the two up front, which is obviously favoured, and I think has shown in a couple of games, the you know, Parrot and Reese like building up a little bit of an understanding of each other if they're both on form. Uh, whenever it gets to the point where you're going to bring one of those players off, or you still haven't gotten a goal through this plan A, it doesn't feel like we know how how to get the best out of the rest of the squad or how we can change it up to start creating more chances. I mean, every single time. Nearly every time we've we've made a substitution this year, it has weakened the maybe not weakened the squad, but it's it's weakened the way we played. It's nullified our attack. It's stopped any progress we've had in the final third at that time. Apart from the odd time when Reese has been on the bench and we've brought him on and he's looked a bit lively. Yeah, a question that I chose not to include, but I think now that we've just had the conversation we we have, I think it's worth sort of mentioning. Someone tweeted yesterday. Um, tweeted from the Finney and said have any substitutions we've made this season actually impacted a game? I think barring, did Emil come off the bench against Coventry to score? I think he did, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Barring that, I can't think of any times that a substitute has come off the bench and impacted a game. Positively obviously Ched came off the bench against Wigan and got sent off within seven minutes but other than those two instances, I can't think of any impact really that a substitute's I mean, had on a game. Alvaro been... maybe in flashes against Burnley, but nothing came of it. Um, and and I think that just highlights the lack of actual quality and depth that we've got in this squad. And the type of play, like at the end, of, like there was one of the, there's been a couple of other times when Reese hasn't started and he's come on and it impacted the game kind of, you know, he's come on and he's he's been bright and he's got at their defence and stuff, but then nothing's come of it. Um, but for me, it's just when, when we're bringing players on, it doesn't feel like, OK, we're now going to play a slightly different way. We can't get past their defence this way, so we've brought this player on to do this. We've just brought on worse versions of what yeah. we've already got. So we'll bring it the triple substitution, which is just a... It's a FIFA substitution, isn't it? I mean, you, you do it on a computer game because you're like, fresh legs, great. But in reality... Three honors never. I don't know any time when three honors ever like really work to change the game completely. All it does is leave your team a little bit more disjointed. But you're, you're taking off someone like Reese or Parrot for Maguire and Evans, 
So that's a downgrade immediately. Uh, maybe Evans two years ago, you've brought in a player who can disrupt, uh, who can hold on to the ball, who can kind of rough up a back line. I've not seen him do that for since, I don't know, maybe halfway through last season. It's been a really long time since he's come on and actually played a different role in the team successfully. You're bringing on Brown or or you're bringing on DJ uh, and they can they can impact the game at times. I think DJ in the in the final 10 minutes uh, at the weekend, he kind of like put the ball over to Brown, who then had that shot, which was well saved. But generally speaking, you're bringing on kind of likes for likes and the one you're bringing on is going to be on worse form than the person you're taking off. It never feels like... Look at Brady, who puts all these balls into the box. If you bring on Brady and then a big lad who can get on the end of a cross, that's a different... That's a change of, of, of plan. You're playing against a back line, they're playing a quite a high line. You bring on someone who can head a ball and someone who can cross a ball and that's... You, you're trying something else to be in. But if you're bringing on people who just have the same abilities just less of them they're not going to they're not going to bat an eyelid no no defender no no opposition team is going to start bricking themselves because you've you've brought on Shawnee Maguire for 5 minutes and that's the scary thing at the moment the most disappointing and frustrating thing about what's happened with the transfer window is that we've not given ourselves another tool yeah um, i was going to say i think that's that's where for me anyway um i think the the thing pointing the finger of blame at Ryan Lowe for that is a little bit harsh because at the end of the day it's the club isn't it you know they've they've not they've not backed him in the window they've not given him the best opportunity to to impact games in the league and and that's not his fault you know he's working with what he's got um i think where where the blame can be sort of pointed at him is like you mentioned before, Johnny, this sort of lack of a plan B, it's just a variation of plan A with this back three where he'll either go from two up top to one up top in a box midfield. Mm. Uh, it's the same thing, essentially. You're just tweaking it slightly. It's the way we play as well, though, isn't it? <clears throat> it's still into Whiteman. It's still out wide. Still the exact same formula. It's like it's like... You see, you like you see it in the warm-up. It's like it's robotically instilled into them to play this way all the time, no matter what. So, you know, if you're 2-0 down, let's mix it up a little bit. You know, <laughs> Let's do something different because, as you can see at the minute, it doesn't seem to be working. Um, and I think it's not just off the bench, different options. You know, you'd like different options to start the game. But, I mean, that goes back to the recruitment side of things where, you know, we're not going to be starting Evans and Maguire up top. I hope we're not anyway. You know, to actually start a game. So, and and we finished the game with them both up front, and it's kind of a little bit of a a message to everyone to say, you know what, you know things aren't as good as what you know they maybe think they are. The way I always look at stuff like that is, would any other championship club be finishing a game of football with Chad Evans and Sean Maguire up front? Probably not. Well, well, not may, one where the manager's been hand... talking about playoffs midweek. Yeah, so I was going to say, barring maybe a handful of clubs that have come up from League One, I don't think the vast majority of championship clubs wouldn't even have them in the squad. You know, and I like Shawnee, I've been a fan of him, and I just I think that these hamstring injuries he's had have killed him. You know, he's a different player now. Um, but he, if, if, 
if you're a club that's talk that's got a manager talking about making the playoffs, you you can't carry players like that anymore. You just can't not only it. that, you've got Brown who's talking about that the aim at the start of the season was top two. I mean, it's like I get, I completely get that there's you know there's a reason to be optimistic, but you know sometimes you've got to be a little bit realistic and. And, and all that does is just set yourself up for a bigger fall. And that's the re- I think that's a lot of the reason why everyone's so frustrated at the minute because a lot of the talk in the summer was, we're going to get playoffs, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Well, you know, it, it's all right saying it, but I mean, if you don't have the players to do it, then, you, you know, you're just setting yourself up for a bigger fall. And everyone's subscribed, everyone's gone out there, got the season tickets and and really bought into it. Um, and the message... You know that came out yesterday is completely different now, isn't it? It seems mm. to be well. You know we're not going to make the playoffs, and yeah. I'm sorry if I got everybody worked just, up. <laughs> you know. Just on that, that that's my next point, really. Like, what do you make of Ryan Lowe's post-match comments where he's come out and said, obviously about false promises, and then George has quizzed him on it a bit further, and he's gone, oh, maybe that was the wrong word, and changed it to we were maybe getting a bit too carried away. I don't think. False promises is a kind of phrase that you you use incorrectly, because the way that he's transitioned from false promises to oh we were maybe getting a bit too carried away, they don't really line up to me. Yeah, he's covering his backside there, wasn't he? Um, yeah, well, he also I mean, mentioned the club, didn't he? As well, he, he said mm. he said oh me and the club have given false promises. It, exactly. When he's mentioning the club, you start thinking, well, this is kind of deliberate. And but then yesterday on Twitter, you see this screenshot of this apparent email from Peter where he's saying the club have made no promises almost like they're distancing themselves from what Ryan's been saying it feels like they're I mean we've seen it with other managers in the past when they already feel like they're on kind of different different lines uh, so to speak um, I think yeah, I don't know I don't know like as, as soon as I took like a deep, a deep in breath there like all that kind of that sadness start to like seep back in again I don't want to I don't want to get things a little bit too too morbid. I think I was speaking to a mate of mine at the weekend and he was like, if they hadn't built this up to be X, Y, and Z this season, then we'd all feel better about it. If they were just more honest with what our objectives are, whether they were trying to sell the club, whether they were trying to cut their cloth, um, whether we had certain ambitions uh, this year, which might change next year, etc. We'd all feel better. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure we would. No one likes to be, no one likes to come down. No one likes to be kind of lied to and, be given the hope that we're going in a different direction only to be proved that we're not. Because I think mindset is really important in football, not just for the fans and the manager, for the players. I mean, you look at some of the smaller clubs that have gone up in the past, clubs that didn't spend a lot of money, even like, you know, them lot down the road uh, who who didn't do necessarily a Bournemouth and overspend. They just got a really good team spirit together and the mad belief that they might be able to do something. So I understand the purpose of that and we may have all got a bit carried away with it in the summer, but that's because the club were making noises like we were going to try something different. Uh, and I, I still can't get my head around what happened in that transfer window because it still feels to me like there was an opportunity there without spending loads of money to do that something different. Uh, if, if you actually look at how many people we've taken off the, the wage bill, uh, Sinclair would have been a, a massive hit. We're not paying off managers anymore. We've brought in one player for a fee, uh, a couple of frees and, and a couple of loans. And surely there was more room than that. And whilst I've tried not to give Peter too much stick in the past because I feel like he, he does the best that he can or the best that he thinks that he can, 
And, you know, Ryan Lowe has had, I wouldn't say an easy ride, because I think he was responsible for creating a lot of the goodwill that he's been kind of riding on the crest of um, for the last few months. Um, but he, people have put a lot of belief in him and what his plan is and how he was going to bring certain players in. But then when it came to all of these great young right wing backs going on loan to rival clubs in the championship, and you start to say, did we just put all our eggs in what the, it was the Odebarjo, the, the, the Quintilla Cyrus basket. Christie. Cyrus Christie. But then that was all early on in the, in the, in the transfer window. So did we just spend the next few weeks hoping we were going to get Ethan Laird in? There's all those rumours that Norton Cuffey might come in. Then Peter was messaging people on Facebook to say, no, we've not had an interest. We've not put any uh, offering for him. Then why not? If you, you're either lying to the fans and suggesting that you aren't doing something that you are for no good purpose, we'd respect you more if you said, yes, we, we did have a punt on him, but he wasn't interested for X, Y, and Z. If you're not interested, why not? Because if you can't get Ethan Laird and there's still a couple of days left in the window, we still need a different player on that side who can offer something else to Potts. Why aren't we moving heaven and earth to bring somebody in? And if it's true what, what Lowe tells us when he when he does the press and says, um, you know, we, we've got certain ideas of certain players, but I'm not going to look for anyone else um, unless it's really the right player. We're not going to make any moves, even with the the free agents now, the window's closed. It's like, I'm not interested in anyone unless they come to me. Like, why? This is either a lie or you're being negligent not to be looking at these players because we we clearly need something, even if they're not a world or, beater. Or he's been told there's no money to spend even on free agents. And it's like that, the contract thing as well, isn't it? Yeah. Suddenly he's saying, oh, when I was a player, I used to keep or whatever. In the past, I've kept players waiting until the end of the season. Come on. Like if you've got if you've got a good player, you want to renew a contract. You renew them as early as you possibly can. Yeah, it doesn't make any them. sense to do anything but because if you're that player and you know you're worth, and you know the club that you're at isn't doing anything to try and get you signed up, why would you not look elsewhere? DJ's head will be turned at the minute. It's no wonder why his forms. Yeah, off. exactly. His not you know he's he's in the final year of his contract. He's what thirty is he now? Twenty nine, thirty. You know, he's probably looking at one, maybe two two more good contracts. And let's be honest, he can probably go somewhere else in this league and get a lot more money than what he's getting here. And I believe he's very well paid here as well. But, yeah, I mean, him and Brown were given like the seemingly the top contracts or close to the top contracts at the club, weren't they? In terms of, like, obviously... Post match stuff. Ryan Ryan sort of commented on the the booing of the subs. What did you make of the booing of Alvaro and Ali coming off and the chance of you don't know what you're doing? It was just mounting frustration, isn't it? I don't think it was necessarily just about that one moment. If we'd scored more than three goals uh, all season, I don't think people would be booing substitutions uh, at this point. It's just the frustration of when you're seeing, especially Alvaro, affect the game in the way that they did, in a way that we know other other players aren't going to do uh, or certainly haven't done of late to see them taken off with still plenty of game to play is incredibly frustrating um, and also we've all become quite expectant that the subs we're going to make is going to are going to make us worse because it's been so long since we've seen players come on and really affect the game in that way so Every time, every time it gets to that part of the game and we start taking players off, I'm already like getting stomachache. I'm already like holding my breath, uh, kind of thing. 
Um, he's come out and spoken about it afterwards, hasn't he? And he said that what we don't know is Alvaro had taken a bit of knock to his thigh and he hasn't been playing too much at the moment. Uh, it was, and that- it was Al- Alvaro had a knock, so had to come off. And Ali and Alvaro had already covered 8-9k already, so we needed to avoid fatigue and freshen it up, which... He might have got a knock, we don't know that, but mm. I don't buy the fatigue thing. Like Ben Whiteman's featured in every game this season. He doesn't get an opportunity to to avoid fatigue. Jordan Story, I think, has featured in pretty much every game this season. He doesn't get an opportunity to avoid fatigue. Mm. I think it, it... Granted, maybe a little bit different with Alvaro because he has had an injury. He is coming back to full fitness. But I think with Ali McCann, you know, since Ryan Lowe's come in, I think people would forgive me for saying that he just doesn't seem like he's that much of a fan of him. At the same time, you know, he's he's started in the last like yeah. couple of games, which which has surprised me because so far with Lowe and McCann, McCann comes in, will start a game in the cup, play really well, then just be benched immediately. So every time I've seen him play, and if he doesn't play too well, and there's been a few games this season, he's not pulled up any trees. The next game, I'm, I'm expecting not to see him. But the fact that he has been playing him, I don't know whether that is he's seeing something else in training or he's coming round to the idea that McCann is a decent player or that he's seeing him as a like a saleable asset that he might want to get rid of in the future. He knows he's got to keep him in rotation. Or, or my or thinking is... It's a message to the fans or the message to the club. My, my thinking is that he's seen, actually, we're 10 games into the season, everything he's done so far hasn't been working so let's try something different and give Ali a run of games because if it works he looks like yeah he's listened to the fans and we were right all along you should have played him earlier and given him a run of games earlier but if it doesn't work then he's, he's no, there's no skin off his nose then is there? It still feels like McCam like a couple of the players uh, we've already mentioned doesn't quite fit into the way Lowe wants to play like McCann now is playing a different game, really, to the McCann under Frankie. Uh, under Frankie, he just seemed to be there to mop everything up. He had a lot of time in the centre of midfield just to get himself about and to use his legs and bring all that energy in. Whereas under Lowe, he does get forward a lot more. He's taking shots. He had a shot um, at the weekend, which was, was fairly decent enough, I think. I, I don't know if it was fully on target. It got deflected and went out for a corner, but it shows that he's been told, I want I want this out of you. Um, and, I th- yeah, it's, it's it's not necessarily playing to his strengths. But it, if, if if he brings... If he's, if he's playing McCann, whether he's playing well or not, he's he's riding on that, that goodwill of the fans. Anyway, most of us want to see him in there because we know what he can do. If, if Brownie or DJ comes on in the last 10 minutes and scores a goal to win the game... The next, the next, the next match comes up. He can, he can bench McCann again, and it's no skin off his nose, and no one can really complain about it. So I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think there's not, you know, altogether animosity or anything uh, between the two. But I think at least to Lowe's credit, the fact that he's been giving McCann a chance and a run of games is as much as any of us would have asked for at the moment. And and again to his credit, like. McCann's not pulling up any trees at the moment as much as I like him. He's not been changing games. Uh, he's not been winning games uh, of football for us. He's not been scoring goals. He's just been a dependable player that I would like to see more of because of his age and because of what we've seen of him in the past. I think he's got a little bit of a problem with the midfield. He can't really work out who to play in those two eights. Um, 
obviously Whiteman's going to play every every time he's fit, isn't he? Because we, we can't play the way he wants to play without Whiteman. But but the the, other, the rest of the midfield, you know, he's chopping and changing it. And obviously we've got the five subs, haven't we? Which he seems to use all five. So it just looks a bit desperate when you're chucking Ledson on for the sake of it. I mean, what what's the point? It's not going to change the game, is it? Um, I understand bringing DJ on. Um, so yeah, I think he's a little bit. He's in a bit of a pickle with that midfield at the minute and trying to work out who's his best two in front of Whiteman. And if I'm honest, if I had to pick two, I don't think I could at the minute. Mm. So it's no wonder he's got he's got a problem because. Now, looking at it from our point of view as well, none of them are playing particularly well. It goes back to the point before of we don't we don't seem to have the players to change the way we play in a game. We just have a lot of like for like. And, you know, looking at paper, you, you look at them at the start of the season, you're thinking midfield is our strongest position. We've got players who, when they're on form, would deserve to be playing in the midfield of a lot of the teams in the league. But when you're thinking of, oh, do I bring on Brownie or, or McCann, or, or Ledson, they're, they're, they're all kind of much of a muchness in a way, or one can tackle better than the other. One might be able to slot a ball through, one might be able to shoot if he's within 18 yards. Outside of that, you're not bringing on completely different players to play different systems. And I think that's why every single time we've changed up the midfield in a game, it has only made us worse because we're not doing anything different to the opposition. So they're not having to change the way they play. They're not making mistakes you're just hoping that one of these midfielders are going to like come up with a bit of magic, which, in fairness, people like DJ and Brown can can sometimes do. Brown can hit a shot like he did in the in the last ten. DJ can change things up a little bit, but very rarely do any of these players come on and make a, a positive impact. They're players that need time to kind of go through the gears before anything happens. So that's worrying, especially when that's our strongest position or supposed to be. I think it stands out as well, like with Fernandez started the other day, like I was saying before, about a different type of player who can run at players. And they stand out like a sore thumb then. And then when you actually look at our team, you think, we haven't got that much variation. Like, we've not got a lot of pace. And like against Burnley the other night, you know, you're sitting deep and, you you know, all right, we win the ball back and counter. But we've got no pace. Reese is fast, but, you know, in the past, you know, we'd have Barky or whatever in terms of getting us up the pitch quicker. You know, playing against those bigger teams and suddenly grinding out a one, you know, one nil win away from home because we can get up the pitch quickly. At the minute, we don't. You know, Brady's not fast. Um, you know, got Brown. I mean, Potts is a runner, but you know, he's not exactly not blistering. D- pace. DJ used to be a little bit nippier than he than he is now. It looks like he's maybe lost half a yard of pace. But I think, yeah. as well as lacking pace, we've no barring Alvaro, we've no real one v one quality anywhere no. in the squad. Mm. Um, maybe, maybe Brady a little bit, maybe. But you wouldn't. Yeah. Would Would you be confident backing him in a one v one against fullback? Probably, no, probably not. not. Well, plus um, the way that they warm up, the way that they practice warming up as well. You know, it, it's all about getting the ball to the byline and, and getting it back to that penalty spot. Really, where you know the midfielders can run onto it, or Reese and Parrot can come in. Brady doesn't play across like that ever. So they're warming up that way at the beginning, you know, even when Brady's on, but we don't really play that way once Brady's on the pitch. You know, he's he's tends to cross from deep. Um, so I do sympathize with him because, you know, he obviously wanted that. You know, I think if you if you actually said to him, he gave him the opportunity, he'd obviously have two right wing backs, wouldn't he? I don't think he'd want to be playing pots there. So I do sympathize with him to some extent, but you know, you get into a point where, you know, points 
they're you know important. You know, if we carry on like this, we're only going to go one way at the bottom. So you're going to have to start playing with what we've got. And you, know, you can't get to January time and go, oh, well, I haven't had a right wing back. And well, you've been playing with a right wing back, yeah. you know, until January, we've been losing games. So I think as well, yeah, it's, it's worth worth mentioning in during the window low, a few times would talk about, look, if we can't get X, Y or Z player in, then that's fine because we can work with the players that we've got and coach them to be better. And I know it's only 10 games into the season, but I'm I'm yet to see an improvement in any of the players, to be honest, uh, individually. So I'm getting distracted by um, by not only on the tone of, of where the podcast is going, but the fact that Jake's camera is like the light <laughs> yeah. has changed you to look yeah. like a silhouette. And because you, you're quite sad in what you're talking about, you're, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm watching one of those like late night Channel 4 documentaries uh, where your you're, you're, um, identity has yeah, been, yeah. Has been has hidden in it's your... It's like a crime watch. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. just, I just need a voice changer. Uh, and, and then they went um, to me on Twitter. Uh that is that is funny. <laughs> On that note, boys, I think we can we can call that part one, and uh, we'll come back for a couple of listener questions and review the start to the season in part two. I can't wait, mate! Just, sounds, uh, yeah. Give me more sounds, of this good news. Sounds cracking, doesn't it? <laughs> making right. making my morning. This. <laughs> See you in part two, boys. In a bit. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. We've got a couple of listener questions to answer and then we'll reflect on the start to the season as well. Uh, so try and enjoy it if you can. Um, fellas, first up, we've got a question from at underscore underscore Macca on Twitter. Uh, and he asks, should Lowe maybe keep his mouth shut a bit more in regards to transfers in the future? I feel like he hyped and built up expectations far too much in the preseason. And he's made a rod for his own back because of it. Well, he has, he has, hasn't he? And and I, I think the obvious answer to that is, is yeah, maybe he should keep his cards a little closer to his chest. I think there was an interview with him um, when we had a few days left of the transfer window when someone asked him, "Have being so clear about the positions you want to fill, do you think you've made it more difficult for yourself in the market? Because everyone knows what you want, everyone knows what you need." And you, you could see him sort of like the cogs turning. And in the next few interviews for the next couple of days, he he became very, very vague about actually what we needed or what he'd accept in the squad. Uh, and that's when it really started to, the tone changed from, I want these two positions to, oh, well, like, I'm happy with what we've got, but we'll see if we can improve it, blah, 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 blah. I think he's worked that out. Whether the fans actually want to hear that, I don't, I don't necessarily... No, I think it's easy to say, yeah, uh, keep expectation low and then we'll never be disappointed. But if you go into a, a a transfer window and your manager is not making it clear that he also understands we need X, Y and Z filled, you're thinking, why on earth doesn't he know that? Why isn't he saying this? I felt so excited in the summer, like most of the fans did, because I felt like they understood what we understood. 
which is this is where we are. This is where we want to get to. This is how we're going to get there. They know it. We know it. Hopefully something will come together. And we understand that things don't always work out the way you'd like and things can be more difficult to get over the line than you'd hope. But if you remove that hope entirely, I don't know. Like, yeah, we wouldn't have sold as many season tickets and we wouldn't have had all that hype at the start of the season. And people could say, yeah, well, they've, they've, they've created the rod for their own back in that regard. We shouldn't have been so excited because this isn't going to happen. But the belief, belief has a huge part in football. Selling the idea of a club to a player who wants to come, selling the idea to this team that they can beat the top of the league and they can get the playoffs so they can do this and that. Selling the ideas to the fans that we're going to have a go, so let's make some flags and let's fill the grounds. That stuff does work sometimes. You just look like an idiot afterwards in hindsight. You just look like a moron when it doesn't work out and you've been waving your flags and waiting for a right wing back to walk through the door and no, no one's there. So I don't know, it's easier. I kind of like to live in the hope, to be honest. I had a much nicer summer because of it. Tell us you're going to bring in these players and then let us down later. It's fine. <laughs> they, they won't remember. It's fine. Um, no, I think uh, I think he's different because there is a way of building hype and there's coming out and saying specifically, I've been promised four players and I am definitely getting them. And then you only signed two. So what is his aim for doing that? You know, Did he know that this would happen? Was he setting himself up for... You know, you know he's got his excuse ready there, hasn't he? You know, if if things don't go well, because it's a very strange summer. Because we get we're about this budget, but presumably this budget was spent mid July, and we already knew that was the situation. Because, but then there was the links with Robinson and players like that. So were we even in for Robinson? So it's a, strange. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because low. Lowe was so public in talking about Callum Robinson as well, like to the point where he clearly pissed Steve Bruce off. Um, it's almost like the there was a, a, a turning point halfway through the window or three quarters of the way through the window where the almost like the board just decided, no, there's no more money. And mm. Ryan Lowe has been told all the way through and then it, well, he goes into it one day and it's like, yeah, there's no money. Well, well two two things have happened, would, haven't they? Well, what would indicate to me that that's the case is his use of the phrase false promises. Like I said before, yeah. you don't... That's not something that just slips out accidentally, is it? You know, that's a phrase that is in your mind a little bit more than like a Freudian slip kind of thing. Um, so that that would indicate to me that perhaps he has been sort of led up the garden path and then things have changed last minute. Or it could have all just been a game. He could have known full well that he wasn't getting what he was talking about. And maybe he was trying to put the pressure on the board by saying, I want four more. I know I can get four more. I think what what was interesting to me as well, partway through the window, I think coming up, it was in uh, approaching the Wigan game. Peter did an interview with iFollow. Mm. And in that, he referenced something like every manager always wants two more players. And it was like, mm, at that point I was thinking, is is maybe Ryan not going to get what he wants? I found most astonishing um, in one of the last interviews Lowe did before the window shut, a couple of days before, um, 
and they, they people kept asking him at that point because it kept changing back and forth. Okay, Peter said you need to get rid of two players before we can bring anyone in. Then it was kind of suggested maybe we didn't have to do that. And then someone asked him again um, and he just said, I don't know. It was the end of the interview and he just said, I don't know. I might have been uh, with uh, BBC Langs and he just yeah, said, I don't was, know. It was Gary Hunt yeah. after, after one of the games. And the fact that you've gone through all summer with you, what we'd imagine is a really clear transfer strategy, a clear budget of how they were going to do things, the type of players they were going to bring in. For the manager at that point, to, to not know whether they were going to allow him to bring someone else in unless it's under a certain circumstance is a bit bizarre. And it shows there was either a lack of communication behind scenes, the position had changed under his feet, or as you said, he's, he was playing a game and maybe thought my powers of persuasion in the press and, and uh, behind the scenes are going to allow me to make these moves. But now I don't know whether actually I've got to the point where I don't know whether I can get one over Peter. I don't know whether they're actually going to bend to my will uh, and I'm, I'm I'm giving up on trying. It was just a really strange, the kind of the messages out of the club at that time had become really disjointed. Uh, and it was just a shame that it ended up working out the way they did. But then at the same time, look, we, we were apparently very close to bringing in Ethan Laird at that moment so if he had come in even without a striker we'd be looking at this going we we didn't get rid of him we didn't get rid of him but we managed to bring in this other player so I don't know it's just strange it's 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 difficult to second guess exactly what the circumstances are behind the scenes because it feels like they don't even know um what the state of play is well I mean I think Peter came out on his, on his DMs to somebody about there being no budget left well if there's no budget left, then have we really used the budget to the best of its, you know, um, of what's available? Or has something changed? That For me, it just seems as though something's changed over the summer. That's the only thing I can come to because... You wouldn't um, you wouldn't go out with a, a set budget, well, at least in my mind anyway. I'm Obviously, I don't work in football, so it could be a load of bollocks, but... If you know what the budget is, you wouldn't go out and spend it all on one player and then mm. a couple of frees and a couple of loans. Like you'd you'd try and do the best you can with what you've got. And if that it just as good a keeper as Freddie Woodman is, and we've got him tied down to a three year deal. We've said before, haven't we, Brownie? Premier League loans for the goalkeeping position are the way to go for a championship club at this level. Like but I don't think on a permanent it would have took too much out of a championship budget to sign in. You're talking like five hundred thousand, aren't you? Mm. If we haven't even got five hundred thousand to play with, then you know we're in real, real bother in terms yeah. of signing players. So uh, to me, it just seems as though. So, I mean, it started off at the beginning, didn't it? We need three goalkeepers. Well, that that changed to two pretty quick uh, because we had Pradic, um, and then you start thinking, oh, here we go, here we go again, and then. You know, the budget must have been up in mid-July. But then, like Johnny says, we're looking at Laird, we're looking at Robinson. So was the budget available? It's just so um, we confusing. Were going to match any other championship offer for Cameron Archer as well? So there was exactly, yeah. yeah. for that. Again, unless, unless, unless it was all talk. Unless it was all talk. Or I think there are certain, there are certain people where, you know, Peter, like what he said about um, Archer... He'd made a rod for his own back at that time. He'd already said we were going to match X, Y, and Z. So I think if there was an opportunity that came up, 
he probably would have, his hand might have been forced, the club's hand might have been forced to at least make that offer. Um, but it just started to feel like they'd made, they'd made certain promises to bring in certain types of players. But if we weren't going to get the exact players they wanted, they weren't going to go and spend the money elsewhere. And that was the most frustrating thing because it wasn't, we didn't, we didn't need Cameron Archer. We didn't need uh, Callum Robinson. We didn't need Ethan Laird. We needed people in those areas to offer something else. And as much as I don't want to advocate spending money on players that are just going to sit on the bench and rot, just there should have been a, a broader scale of plans for, for filling those positions. Um, and it did seem to be like, OK, well, if we don't get the exact players we want, we're not going to spend any money at all. But then you're just making us significantly weaker than, than we hoped we would be. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It, it really did feel like they had a certain budget and they changed it. And maybe we would have respected them more if they came out and told us that at the time. Um, you, I know this is a, not related to the question that was asked. I think we're probably all in agreement that maybe maybe being a bit more coy in future around transfers, even if it's just so much as to not build up the hype amongst the fans, might be better suited given how things can obviously change in a transfer window. But I think I think there is an argument for us not going out there and buying people for the sake of it because we have got into that situation previously. And I know Liverpool follow that model in terms of if if that certain person isn't available, they'll wait to the next window, which is fine. You know, like, you know, I think Liverpool are going to look at Bellingham at some point for their midfield issues. And in the meantime, they're having to play Milner, etc. But you then don't say, we're going to get the playoffs, we're going to get top two. You then say, you know what, there's a plan in place. This is our plan. This is our whatever plan. Um, we're not going to do it this window. We're going to do it next window. I think the V was mentioning it last week, wasn't it? You know, ev- everything is really short term um, and there doesn't really seem to be a plan. And if there is, obviously it's not being communicated to us or it's been communicated to us in a different way. Um, so, yeah, I do think, you know, we've been stuck with players like Wickham and, and players like mm. that we bought for the sake of it, which I wouldn't want us to go down. But at the same time, then, you know, expectations have to be lowered a little bit and we've kind of painted ourselves into a corner here that we, we can't get out of. I just think that sometimes, like, yeah, we, we, we wanted Archer as a number one target uh, and we wanted we wanted someone like Robinson and those would have been great. But it just feels like the world is a big place. The country is a big place. There are so many football players in this country per square mile. Like, surely there are decent options out there for us that can make an impact on this squad, even if it is just to offer something else off the bench that we don't already have. And I know we've been lumped with with players we might have overspent on in the past and haven't really done anything for us over several years and taken up a wage. And I know there's been like the, the Wickham and the Izzy Brown issues the last couple of years of bringing in kind of crocked players uh, who, who are never going to see the light of day. But it just feels like in the amount of time we had this summer with with having these guys uh, in the background who are supposed to be finding kind of affordable uh, transfers for us and the right kind of players to fit into our system, I just I just refuse to believe that there weren't there, there weren't better options out there somewhere. I mean, we were told we weren't going to buy Callum Robinson months and months ago, and yet he he was the only name banded around. We were told. Cameron Archer wasn't going to go out alone, but then there was that tiny little bit of hope that maybe something will work out. Maybe he'll be 
punted out in the last minute and it won't be part of some um, swap deal with Watford. There was just this little bit of hope and that's fine for the fans, but surely the club have to have a more measured approach to what the alternatives to those players are. And that's that's what I find really difficult to... The the only thing I can think, like you just said, Johnny, there's there's countless however many other footballers, the only thing I can think is that they must all be knobheads. That's the only (laughs) reason I'm not signing them. That is true, um, and you know, let's let's keep those knobheads out of the club. I mean, that's the one thing. <laughs> that's the one thing we can hold on to this year. At least there's no knobheads around. Johnny's uh, interviewed enough footballers. He must know if uh, there's plenty yeah. of knobheads out there or not. <laughs> there, there are a few knobheads, uh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name any names. Um, in terms of the next question, then this one's from Hayden J Farrelly on Twitter, who quite simply asks. Is the amount of possession we have covering over how poor these performances actually are? I mean, it's pretty clear how poor some of the performances are. Like, we could have 100% possession, we wouldn't be sat here going, we've been class this season, lads. Uh, I don't necessarily, unless you're just, unless you're reading the, the stats at the end of the game first and then watching the game afterwards. Um, it's been pretty clear when we've been woeful and it's been pretty clear when we've been semi-decent. I think the stats that kind of cover how... How, how poor we've been at times or how frustrating the performances have been have been like, you know, the amount of shots we might have had. Um, but even that, what, maybe three games this season, we've, we've had like a pretty high kind of shot count by the end of it, shots on target at least. I don't think anything's masking how poor we've been because I don't think we've been really poor all season. We've been on the whole quite a, 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 an, a relatively entertaining side to watch who haven't been dominated by many teams for too long. Uh, we we know what the issue is. The issue is we we don't have people who can finish right now, and we have a team that is very 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 quickly losing all confidence and belief, just as quick as the, as the fans are. That I think that's our biggest our biggest issue right now. Isn't necessarily the fact that we're not scoring goals. It's the fact that all of these players are going into each game less confident than they were in the, the one beforehand. And if you hit rock bottom there, you're just going to spiral. You're not going to beat anyone until some wonder some like some someone puts in one wonder performance and smashes two goals out of nowhere and everyone goes, oh, we're, we're decent again. Maybe we're not the shittest team in the league. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely don't feel like possession has been that. Yeah, I think, like I said before, probably quite easy to defend against at the minute. You know, let us have a lot of the ball and we struggle to break teams down. Um, we're actually sixth um, in the league for shots outside the box, which is which isn't great. And no. when you look at it that way, but but you know it's that's a worrying stat for me because a lot of possession and loads of shots outside the box. Well, it's kind of pointless having the possession then, isn't it? Because it's hit and hope a lot of the time. Um, and yeah, so I think it, like Johnny says, we all know when we've played badly, um, and I don't think you can paint. I've seen a lot of people saying we were amazing. We dominated them from north to you know forty minutes yesterday. Well, we didn't score, so. Doesn't really for me. You can't dominate a team every week and not score, and everyone think it's a it's a good thing. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I think it all comes down to the fact that if you let Preston have the ball at the minute, you're probably pretty safe. Yeah, we've said, haven't we, in the past? You know, it seems to largely this season have been one way of trying to break teams down, and that's crosses into the box, and it just hasn't worked. Um, but then, do we have the quality? in the final third to to do anything different you know that's that's up for the 
for the but manager and his staff style. to sort of sort out, isn't it? You know, going cause... back to just having a different style of player. That's the we've we've got a, a team full of similar players, apart from when you swap out Brady and Fernandez. Outside of that, the rest of the team are kind of a much of a muchness. Uh, some better than others, but we we've just we've got the same players to play the same sort of way. And I I, I genuinely would advocate having a lump having a lump to bring off the bench. Bring Stockley back. Bring him back. All is forgiven. Have a lump off the bench. You can stick in the last 10 minutes and just put balls into him. I mean, I don't know. if it Was he that good in the air? I don't know. I mean, he's got, better yeah. than what we've got, I suppose. I think the only person we've got who's good in the air is Brown. He's the only yeah. one who, who we, if you're going to lump crosses into the box, Brown's got to be on the pitch for me and you've got to be getting him in the box. Apart from that, you know, I mean, Reese, one header he scored against West Brom. Uh, according to according to the play. um there's a write up of him when Borough were after him going, Oh, he's good he's good in the air and he's yeah. good in that and you're like, Who who's written this? Yeah, great at holding the ball up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um in terms of the start of the season then, boys, uh Brownie, um I'm sure you know what's coming at this point now, but in terms of the first ten games and how they've gone, we're sixteenth for XG, uh we're eighteenth for uh, the the quality of shots, XG of shots. Um, we're nineteenth for shot distance, which is bad. You know, taking other shots from outside the box. We're fourteenth for um, expected goal difference. We're sixteenth for touches in the box. We're sixth, as Brownie mentioned before, for shots outside the box. We're twelfth for open play passes, and we're twelfth for possession. So. Apart from being sick for shots outside the box, the rest of that is distinctly mid-table or worse. Um, so while on the eye, uh, I think the, the majority of people will agree, myself included, that the football has been better to watch, but the stats don't really say that we've in, we've improved. I mean, I don't know what they were from last season to compare to, but you know, we've been we've been. Maybe not sold a dream about a brand of football, but there's been a lot of mention and a lot of reference to it, an attacking style and an attacking brand. But those numbers don't really reflect that. I think for Lowe, I think he's been lower league, so he's had lead two, league one. Plymouth are reasonably, especially in lead two, they're a big side in lead two, and then you know they, they get good gates and the well supported club for league one. So to play that certain way in those divisions with the players that you'd be able to get in is fine. But when you come up to the championship and you're having to compete against other teams that play that way, and we've got this set, you know, patterns of play and, um, you know, brand of football to play, don't really have the players to do it. So you're then in a position where, you know, you're bringing on substandard players to the bench. You've got players in the team that can't play that way other than Whiteman, probably. So, you then have to look at things and go, well, we're going to have to play a certain way and be a little bit more pragmatic, which for a team our size in the championship, that's how we've been successful in the past. Um, and I don't think persistingly playing this way um, without significant improvements in the squad is going to get us to where Lowe thinks we will get to. So for me, the stats are, are what they are. And I think it's all due to the fact that we don't really have the players to play that certain way. I think like going back to going back to just the kind of the, the mood around the club and the 
how that affects the the, the fans and the, the 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 players and the confidence of the players. If you looked at these stats a few games ago, I would have suggested we would have been much higher up the table on like expected goals. Uh, we we were creating more chances the first in the first like five games compared to the second five games. But it's we can play a certain quote unquote brand of football all we like, but unless we uh, some return from that, it's going to go off the boil. I feel like we probably started this season on pretty good form, generally speaking, but we just couldn't win games. And now th- that's always going to be the other side of that coin. If you, if you don't start winning games, the form is going to change. And now the, the form changed after a few games and we still weren't losing badly and that kind of masks it a bit. But I feel like the stats are only going to get worse until we start scoring goals because the players are going to be, their, their confidence is just going to get shot. And, that's so why I think maybe this break we're having at the moment is probably it's it's the best thing that could have happened because if we keep playing games like this and 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 not bagging goals and not bagging points it's only going to get worse. Yeah, I think this this break has come at the perfect time, hasn't it? Because the the mood around the club has probably dropped a lot quicker than many expected it to. The the football has has dropped off. And this is an opportunity for probably the players to have a couple of days off, have a bit of rest time, spend a bit of time with the family, and then hopefully, you know, come back into training and try and work on something different, try and work on something new for the run that we've got, which is horrendous uh, up until the World Cup. I think we average a game every four days or something, um, every five days between the end of this international break and the World Cup. But in terms of the start of the season, um, I think it was the easiest run of any team in the league on relative performance based from based on last season. That you you, you expect to to have more points on the board from those opening games than we did, and I think that's that's kind of shot us in the foot as well because we didn't perhaps do as well as we should have done. You know, the the game against Hull, the game against Rotherham. Are, two that stick out where on the balance of it we probably should have won both um, and that's four more points than what we've got at the minute if you win both of them and uh, I, I guess without looking at the table that would have had us in the top six um, so you know that that happens and we're having different conversation now aren't we um, the mood probably isn't as low as it is at the moment as well but the fact is that we didn't win them and we are where we are. It's a tight it's league, you know, to be fair. I think it's a lot tighter than what it's been in the past. I mean, Coventry are bottom, but they've already, they're not played as many games. So that that distance at the bottom will probably shorten a little bit as Coventry play their game. So it is a tighter league this season. But, you know, we've played a lot of the teams in and around us and not managed to get... Um, we've only got two wins. You look at the next few fixtures and you... You do worry if we continue to play this certain way, uh, regardless whether we're actually going to get many points out of them, or well, or at least score many goals. We may get a few draws, but you know, in terms of actually going out and beating teams, can't see it. I would say that if every season people seem to go, oh, last year was a big chance, and this year is going to be much harder. And you get into the season, you see how shit everyone seems to be, and you're like, actually. So maybe this is the big chance. We're ruining our big chance, guys. <laughs> uh, 12 months time, we're going to be saying it all over again. And I think I don't get too carried away with the form of any clubs uh, in the league at the moment. You know, I don't think Reading are going to be as flying as they have been for the whole season. 
Uh, and there are certain teams that have started off slowly that I expect to come back later on. So I, I'm not, you know, I'm not overly concerned with the run we'll have before the World Cup because if if you get in a good run of form, you want as many games coming thick and fast as you can, get those points on the board. Um, whether we need to actually change the way we're playing to turn this around, as in like, you know, try, try different formations or, or whatnot, combinations of players. I don't know whether that's an answer either, because no one seems to be the person who, like the, the, the kind of the key to unlock the rest of the league at the moment, apart from maybe Fernandez, because he's he's got something different to everyone else has. I think it's just we're in a really difficult position now where we've had a really frustrating start to the season, which has turned into a very sour start to the season. We've, we were all really disappointed with what happened in the window, at least towards the end of it. And I think we can get a little bit carried away at times with the negativity around it. The fact we're not getting points on the board and the fact that we we don't know who is going to make this change for us because we didn't do enough, didn't bring in enough people. Um, but, you know, a lot can change in football. A couple of weeks down the line, you, you get a couple of wins. It's been so tight up there that, as you say, if we got those four extra points and we're potentially in the playoffs or in the in the top 10 at least, we're, we're looking a little rosy about it. I know when we were coming up to... A few weeks ago, we were like, oh, if we, if we win this game, we could go above Burnley and wouldn't that be a great thing? And then we didn't. And then goes on and goes on. And now you think, oh, Burnley, one of the best sides in the league, we're, we're going to be like right down there. It's just easy to get sucked into the negativity uh, because of how things have gone. Um, but I'm choosing, I'm, cho- I'm choosing at the moment to think that, you know, in a month's time, we'll, we'll have had a couple of wins under it's slightly less of a, a sinking ship. Uh, and we can go back to thinking it's a wasted opportunity that we're not going to make, you know, we didn't get enough to get the playoffs this year rather than are we going to get relegated? So I don't know. I'm just trying to I'm trying to stay as positive as possible at the moment. It's it's hard. It's hard to do. Uh, but, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> I think I think the positive that I, I'm sort of looking at at the minute and it is still early on, granted, uh, but we are only three points off the top six. Granted, we're only two points off the bottom three. Um, but don't I think you look at the table too much this early on, though. That's that's all I'm clinging on to, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fact that we're not maybe in the position of someone like Blackpool or Borough, where we're on ten, eleven points, and there's there's I know it's again it's it is early on in the season, but there is a bit of a gap there already. I think you know I do think Borough will come good, um, and there's plenty of time to turn it around. But yeah, that's that's the positive. <laughs> For me, at the moment, is that we're we're not too far off, and and like you said, Johnny, a couple of wins in this run, um, a couple more draws, and you know it keeps us sort of within touching distance. The thing I hold on to, I know we're only are we what one point better off than we were this time last year, yeah, or something like that. Uh, and I, I read that like that worrying stat of uh, scoring three goals after ten games is like the joint worst return. Like ever in the championship, and and that's was, joint with was Rotherham, was it? Rotherham, I think finished bottom. The yeah, the twenty seventeen eighteen season, I think it was. Right. So they then they finished bottom. So there's we can we can we can drown ourselves in kind of stats like that. But as mad as this sounds, I I genuinely believe we have a stronger squad than we did this time last year, pre pre Archer. If you look at the squad on the whole, like at least we're starting. I know Parrot's not exactly bagging goals for fun right now, but we're starting Parrot instead of starting Evans and Maguire. We've still got Reese. We've still got, we've improved the left side. 
Potts is a different player to how he was at the start of last year. Lindsay's a different player to how he, how he was. Story, we don't have Vandenberg, but we saw a few kind of mazy runs forward uh, against Sheffield United from Story to see that there's something else in his locker there. Um, Hughes is still solid if he can kind of shake off this sort of like shoulder injury. I think overall our squad is still decent and that's why we, we felt two weeks ago that we just fall, uh, fell short of, of having like a playoff-worthy squad with a couple of good additions. And you lose some games and you start to think that the squad we have is too weak and too disjointed and they're never going to turn this around. But if we win one game of football, I'm looking at the squad we've got and I'm still thinking that's a very solid championship side. Um, it's just hard to kind of convince yourself of that when you see all the clear errors and you, 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 you struggle to work out where, go- where goals are going to come from. Reese bagged 21 goals last year. Our striker, which we said seven and a half million was not enough for a few weeks ago, is still in the squad. So, so there's something in there. Like surely there is there is a, a, a well to be tapped into there um, to give us a better return. I think they need to remember that. And sometimes we need to remember that. And you just need occasionally a bit of luck to go our way to kind of allow yourself to uh, to to hope again. But it's has, there, guys. We're has, going has, up. We're going has, the well, has the well that is a Mill Reese run dry, though? That's the question. I, I, it's easy to say that somebody can just have a you know a bit of a Francis Jeffers, and you know be be a wonder kid one year and be an absolute shower of shit the next. But players, players, players don't bag twenty one goals and then they're just crap for the rest of their lives. Usually, it's because they've gone off the rails a bit. You know, they've they're you know, these young academy stars that start off brightly then it goes to the head and they don't have the the work ethic or whatever it might be to to keep going and they waste their careers Reese isn't like that and whilst he might have a crap season now I don't think that means he's going to be crap for every season for the rest of his career um and I think if if things change and if you know he hits one from 35 yards at a bloody uh 120 degree angle then maybe maybe he starts to believe in himself again and maybe we start to believe in him Maybe he starts to bag. I don't think it's simple enough to be so cynical to be like, oh yeah, he was good last year, but he's overrated and he's he's not going to do anything like that this year. It's too it's it's too early to tell. Uh, I think, uh, and I he's think all, he's all our hope is on his shoulders anyway. So let's just let's know, just pray yeah. that's not the case. Well, if, if you right, for example, if you have a striker like I don't know Andy Carroll, right, you wouldn't ask him to do something completely different to what he can do. So, for example, you wouldn't be knocking balls over the top for Andy Carroll to run in behind and get onto. For me, I feel as though we're asking Reese to do stuff that he isn't particularly great at. And if you actually use him to his strengths, you'll get far more out of him like we did last season where McAvoy actually kind of built a team around Reese. Um, you know, I'm not saying let's bring back Frankie, but I think I don't think we're utilising Reese to the best of his abilities. And, and I think all it's doing is bringing his, his confidence down um, and he is very much a confidence player, isn't he? I think it took him time to adjust when we brought in Archer, and it was clear Archer was now the kind of like the the the, the main man up front. I think it took a while for Reese to adjust his game, but then, especially towards the end of last season, we started to see that bear fruit. I mean, uh, there was many times he would give that like cutting through ball onto Archer. I mean, look at the goal against Blackpool. Archer obviously smacked it from the edge of the box. Uh, and you need a certain amount of talent and belief in yourself to do that. But the ball came from quite deep from from Reese. 
And there was a few times where either one of them were kind of finishing off chances that the other one had created. And in the first couple of games, it felt like there was an element of that between Reese um, and Parrot up front. So I don't think it's it's simple enough to say he was great under Frankie and he's been dog shit ever since. And he's playing this way of football. He's never going to, He's not going to get a good goal return and we're never going to see the best out of him. I think he does have it in his locker. It's just when things aren't going your way and they're not going Parrot's way either, everything starts to, everything starts to fall apart. If you're going to, if you're going to pass the ball um, across the, uh, across the box uh, to your, to your strike partner and you know that person's definitely not going to score. So you think, oh, maybe I'll have a punt and then you're hitting them high and wide. You start to lose confidence in every element of that play, um, and I think they they both need a little bit of that. I, I hoped it would come off when Reese got his goal because that came off a parrot chance, I think, didn't it? Uh, hmm. But it wasn't to be. But I just I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest we give up all hope on them just yet because there's fat chance that um, Evans and Maguire are going to come into the starting eleven at the moment. So it's we've just got to hope that this clicks. He's done it once. I you think it, it will again. eventually. I think it will eventually. But, you know, like we've said about the general play so far this season, I think there has to be changes and, and tweaks to it to get something different out of the players and the squad and, and the strikers, more importantly. Um, We're not going to be able to outpass and, you know, quality teams in this division. It's just not going to be able to do it. Um, so we're going to have to think about a different way. Yeah. How how would you rate the start to the season out of ten then? First first ten games, what what are you giving it out of ten so far? Ten out of ten, really. Absolutely no choice in the matter there. Performances speak for themselves. The mood around the club is is buoyant. Uh and I, I think it'd be negligent of me to give anything less than, than a gold star and a participation certificate to every one of these guys. No, I think uh I would I would say with the disappointment of of, of not bringing those extra players and then the way that everything feels like it's gone on the turn a bit, I would put it down to maybe about four out of 10. But before Saturday, we were still in a decent enough position comparable to a lot of the other teams in the league. Um, and we played some like good football and I probably would have given us like a six. So I'm going to split the difference. It was a hearty five out of 10. There you go. End the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Brownie? Well, funnily enough, I said to Jake the other day, I said, if we win this game, it's not actually been a bad start to the season. But I actually think to myself, how many times do I actually say that in a season, every season, and it doesn't actually come through? We're very much the nearly men, aren't we? In terms of, you know, even when we were up fighting towards the top of the league, oh, if we win this, we'll get in the playoffs or we'll stay in the playoffs and then we don't. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think on the basis that we are, pretty much mid-table in every certain way. I don't think you can give it anything other than a five, can you? But again, for, for, what can change in it? For wanting to try and avoid to sound like I'm saying the same thing, um, I'm I'm not going to avoid saying the same thing. And I had five out of ten as well. I don't... I think you, if if you're the LEP, you maybe give it a six out of ten. But... There's maybe, maybe an argument for the, the teams that we've played to give it less than five out of ten, but yeah. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't. Mm. I wouldn't. Uh, wouldn't want to be too negative. I think if you if you if you really if you're going down, I think what was it? I think it was probably just a transfer window. Someone was like, "What did you put a tweet or go and what would you rate it?" And I was like, oh, two out of ten," because I was just so I was so in the moment. I was so upset. Um, 
but on balance, we're we're usually a mid-table team. We're close to mid. Oh, we're a bit lower than that at the moment, but you know we're close to mid-table, aren't we? Isn't it? It's, it's, Points it's, wise, we pretty much are, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Um, see, we can't. We we. I suppose we don't really have a right to be so furious about it. But considering we have the highest attendance uh, we've had so far since what two thousand and four or something at the moment, like it just feels like. Every minor setback is going to feel like a major setback yeah. in light of how we all felt a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago. But uh, I'm going to go with a five. But we win. We win the next two games. Nine out of ten, mate. Nine <laughs> out of ten. I'll be buying my own flags. Um, booking hotels in Wembley. Booking hotels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't need one, will you? Yeah, you're all right. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to. Uh, that'll be my biggest disappointment. If I move out of London, right? If we actually do well at some point and make the playoffs and make a playoff final, I move out of London, I miss the damn thing. Uh, <laughs> move back to Preston and then you have to book a hotel. Oh, God. I mean, I remember the uh, the, the playoffs in Cardiff, me and my dad, and I think the first time a bunch of the family came down and he, he had like a mate who had like an abandoned house. There was no furniture or anything in there. And we turned up at Cardiff like in the middle of the night the night before and slept in sleeping bags in a non-heated, like Baltic like Welsh house uh on this like dirty carpet. I uh I, I don't want to go back to that. I'm a celeb be... before I'm a celeb came to Wales. Uh yes, it was before. It's before, but that was definitely the vibes. It was cold, it was damp, there's creepy crawlies. Um and and then of course we got up and had one of the worst days of my entire life. Uh, listening to those bellends sing I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles all day. <laughs> uh, only for Bobby Zamora to rip my heart into a thousand tiny pieces. <laughs> I actually met when I was doing, when I was working at the Premier League, I did this feature with um, Mark Noble, who was telling me all these like anecdotes from the day when they were on the, uh, they were on the open top bus parades uh, after beating us. And I think Bobby Zamora like pulled his pants down whilst he was on there. And I was like, mate, that was, at least that's all you had to go through. I explained to him in great detail how he ruined my entire teenage years and he should never be forgiven for it. Um, but yeah, back to my original point. If I moved out of London and then we made it down there, I'd be, I'd be absolutely gutted having to make that drive down. It's a pain. Even worse now because London's so full of mourners. Let's not talk about that, shall we? Yeah. Um, yeah. Boys, I think unless you've got anything else you want to say, then we can we can wrap up the pod there. I think finishing on the note of Bobby Zamora pulling his pants down um, is as good as it's ever going to get. No beating that. Let me just put, whilst, whilst, whilst I'm here, uh, just to give a little bit of positivity, when we do make the playoff final this year, all listeners are welcome down to my house. Uh, you can all crash on my carpet, as many of you as I can fit in. It's going to be fine. Uh We'll all go down together the next day. So I'm, I'm, it's an open invitation. Should we make the playoff final? You can dig this, dig this out next year. Once all of this nastiness is behind us, uh, we've got a beautiful, free-flowing right wing back in January. Archer's back in an off end shirt, uh, loan with a view to a permanent. It's going to be fine. We're going to be all right. There you go. As long as me and Brownie get the sofa, uh, we'll be there. Don't you what, worry about what, it. Two on a sofa. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Top and tail, all right. It's a lovely sofa. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. Um, yeah, boys, we've we've reached the first international break and the, the mood's already a bit meh around the club. But it's early in the season. Let's hope the break does us some good and it's a reset point and uh, we can kick on for the 
for the run up to the World Cup, and then we can enjoy England uh, bringing the Jules Rimet home. And they're going to nick him. Sorry, <laughs> no, that's like I'm more confident not, than I, I am. I'll, I'll refrain from saying what I was going to say about this country nicking precious jewels. Um, <laughs> Indeed, it's not the time. No, it's not. But yeah, uh, Brownie, thanks as always. And Johnny, I've, um, I don't think I've smiled as much on a pod in recent weeks as I have today. So thanks very much. It's, uh, Where, he says that because I've been topless this entire, <laughs> this entire pod. <laughs> uh, I hope that'll be between us, but I'm glad you've enjoyed where um, does it rank in terms of Samuel Jackson, Steven Spielberg, Jake Gyllenhaal? Jake Oates? It's better Where? than Jake Gyllenhaal because yeah. uh, it took a while to win him over. Um, what about Robert De Niro? Well, my palms have been less sweaty speaking to you lads than they were <laughs> they were with him, uh, and I've I've not in my own desperation asked us for a staring competition either for some a, a blink off film. a blink off. I don't know if any of this will be in the pod, so this will just be. Oh no, this is all going in. Confusing anecdote. Uh, yeah, no blink-offs, but maybe on the promotion uh, episode of this, uh, we can we can do one of them then. But it's, it's up there. It's, it's made me feel a little bit better about, about this horrible weekend. Yeah. No, cheers, boys. Thanks very much. Appreciate your time, as always. on me.